Praise the Lord. Well, are you all glad to be in church this morning? Amen. Well, we're going to have a good one today. So get your Bibles out. I actually have a message that I'm preaching this morning. I didn't want to preach it, and, and uh, I had a better one, I thought. <laughs> and then the Holy Ghost said, no, you're going to preach this one. I said, oh. <laughs> Praise God. So I'm going to finish up this series I've been teaching uh, here for the last few weeks about, you know, getting you dewormed. You know, we've got worms in our head, worms that are, that are lies, that are, that are non-truths that are in our head, things that come into us that are stealing from us, that you're not going to walk in victory unless you get those worms out of your head. And, and I'm just going to just do a little quick review because uh, y'all may have forgot where they were or whatever. Remember, you can always go to the Waterhole or you can go to the Waterhole app and you can um, revisit the messages. But Anyway, we started out talking about fear versus faith, and we went all through that about how so many times in life we're walking in fear and not faith, and how you're going to change that, the general types of faith and all that. We did that, and then we started talking about works versus righteousness, and that was a really good message. I don't know. Y'all need to go look. That, that, I, there were some things I had to go down and add to my notes on that one, but this morning I want to talk to you about something that it may seem, when you hear this, it may seem a little crazy because you may say, oh, I'm not in that. But it's torment versus peace. The worm of torment that comes into your mind and that comes in and, and eats away at you. And we're going we're gonna to talk this morning about what, what, where torment comes from. Because Jesus said that he came and that he paid the price for each and every one of us to have peace. Peace. You know, that means not having conflict or in conflict having peace. You know, you can be in conflict but still have peace. You can be in a situation where things aren't going like you want it to go, but you can still have peace knowing that God's going to take care of everything, right? That's where we've got to get to in life. Because what happens is the moment that you get out of peace, you go into fear. And then once you're in fear, it's going to take you directly to torment. And so we're going to look at that this morning. So anyway, go to Luke 16, 19. This message is really simple this morning, but it's really profound. If you grab hold of it, I guarantee it's a life-changing message, but you've got to grab hold of it. You know, the other day I was watching uh, something on television. There was a commercial came on for some, some new uh, treadmill system. You know, showed this person on this treadmill, and, and it had a big screen in front of it, and the guy was on there, you know. Maybe it was a bicycle. I don't know. I didn't pay a lot of attention. But some piece of exercise equipment, and there was a screen, and you were working out with the workout person, you know, and watching the screen. And I thought, you know, I wonder if you bought that thing and just put it in your house and watched the screen if it do you any good. Wouldn't that be sweet? You just buy it, put it in there, play the video, and get healthy. But it doesn't work like that. We all know. Unless you get up on that thing and do something with it, it's not going to change anything. You can watch, you can watch all the, you just put your TV on and watch 24-7 workout videos. And it's not going to make you any healthier, right? Well, it's the same thing with the Word of God. I mean, I live my life owning a Bible. When I graduated high school, my grandfather gave me a Bible. And, you know, it was one of those things, oh, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. You know, <laughs> God bless you. Yeah. And it sat in my house forever. 
I never read it, never looked at it. It was just a Bible that sat there. So many people have a Bible, one of those big family Bibles, you know, that sits on their, their coffee table or whatever. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a piece of furniture, right? Are you all with me? They got to dust it because it's just a piece of furniture. And inside of it is the truth. Inside of it is revelation. Inside of it is life-giving revelation. But if it's a piece of furniture, it's a piece of furniture. It's literally nothing but a, a coffee table accessory, right? And so that's how mine was. It sat around forever. And not until I got saved and started to read the Bible did I pick that Bible up and start to read it. And I read the words that he, that he wrote in the front of it to me. And, 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 and it, then it meant the world to me. And it's still a treasure that I have today, right? But you, if you don't use it, it's not going to do any good. Well, that's like today's message. You can hear this message. And if there's something inside of you that turns you off, yeah, like, oh, yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> you got a worm. That's what's happened is the worm in your head is telling you, don't use that. Because he knows that if you grab the revelation, he doesn't have a place anymore in your life. He can't bring fear and torment into your life anymore. He loses his power. So he's going to grip you today. So when I, while I'm preaching this message, if something kind of like, you, you want to get turned off? Right then, you better stop and say, wait a minute, I got a worm. I need some deworming of the Holy Ghost today because they're going to have another you know, little deworming at the end of service. And so you need to get dewormed. So here we go, Luke 16, 19. It says, there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and they licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and he was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Now being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. We got this story here that Jesus tells, this parable of this guy that had all the stuff that he needed on earth, right? He, it says he fared sumptuously every day. So he had just everything that he needed. He was comforted on this earth. And old Lazarus outside, man, he doesn't have anything but a relationship with God. All right? Now, the point Jesus is trying to make in this story is, is that it's not the outward appearance on this earth that brings peace. Hello? I mean, in the, in the, in the 20s, when the stock market crashed, people literally jumped out of windows because they were broke. They had been wealthy right before it, and they lost all their money, and they just literally were so distraught that they just jumped out of windows and killed themselves. All right? So peace is not something that you're going to get in a natural state on this earth like you can do it by your means. That's the point I'm trying to make. No matter how hard you work, no matter how big your bank account will be, no matter how great your retirement account is, no matter how much you could build and, and, and I mean, build you the, you know, whatever around you of comforting things, the only thing that's really going to bring you peace in life is your relationship with Jesus. Hello? You got to remember that at all times. There's nothing wrong with things. 
If God has blessed you and graced you and your, your, your business is great and big and successful and you've got all the toys around you, uh, there's nothing wrong with it except if you're trying to make the toys make you happy. Right? If the toys consume your life, well, then there's a problem. But it, it, there's nothing wrong with wealth. There's nothing wrong with abundance. Hello? As long as you're given to the orphans. <laughs> All right? But what I'm saying is, is that you, people look for peace on this earth and they think that if they get to this place, they're going to have peace. But I'm telling you, there is, that is not peace. If I just get the perfect house, the perfect car, the perfect husband, the perfect wife, you know, the perfect kids, the perfect amount of money, I get all set in the bank, then I'm going to have peace. But that's not what brings you peace. Am I right? You can go. Uh, last night, I don't know if y'all watched the World Series, but last night there was a point where it was a four to one game and, and it looked like the Nationals might be coming back. And of course, we, you know, we should all be rooting for Houston, Texas playing Washington. You know, I mean, come on. And so God's got to come out in this thing. I don't know how many prayers is going up. But anyway, so, so, you know, there was a point if you watched the game where it was a four to one game and all of a sudden the Astros had the bases loaded and this guy steps up and he hits, he's, he hadn't had a good, good record. He's hadn't been, he, he's not the, one of their better hitters and he came up and man, he caught it just perfect and knocked it out of the park. Grand slam. And I thought to myself, looking at that guy, I said, man, don't you know how good that felt? Whoo, man, he's going to live his whole life. And I hit a grand slam in the World Series, you know? You know what I'm saying? That's got to be just some, when he saw, and it was so funny because he hit it. And then he's just like, yeah. See his chest come out. Yeah. I mean, you know, man, it was classic. I would have done, man, I would have, I'd have been the fool. He actually ran around the bases pretty calm for what I would have done. But that day's going to wear off. He's going to be an old man someday, and all he's got is a memory of it. He doesn't have the feeling anymore. He's not going to know exactly what it felt like. That was a great, great, great day for him, that moment for him. But that moment's not going to bring him peace for the rest of his life. The only thing that's ever going to make us have peace in life is what Jeremiah 9 says, to really know God. And when you have that relationship with God and you know him and he's, he's, he's a part of your life and working in your life all the time, then all of a sudden you can, you can get a grasp of what peace is. The world's looking for peace and we have it. The world is looking for peace and we got it. We have the answer. It's a relationship with Jesus, not just knowing him, not just owning a Bible, not just having a piece of furniture that's got to be dusted, but truly a relationship with God. Amen? Okay, so here's the rich man. He had everything, but he didn't have the one thing that he needed. Here's Lazarus that had nothing, but he had the one thing. Okay? Isaiah 26.2, I want you to look at this scripture. Isaiah 26.2. He says, open the gates that the righteous nations which keep the truth may enter in. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So this morning I'm asking you to open up your gates. And as I get on down in this message and get to the point and zing it into you, let it go in your heart because if your gates are open, you can find peace. All right? Look at another scripture, John 14, 25. Jesus is speaking. 
And he says, these things I've spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now think about this. Jesus is making this statement, and he's telling his disciples, they're sitting, having the last meal together. Chaos is about to take place. Jesus is about to be carried to the cross. The disciples are about to get freaked out and think that the Messiah is gone. They're all going to flee and leave him. Peter's going to deny him three times. All this is about to take, and Jesus says, peace I give you. Now, back to what I said last week, so many times that we live in works versus righteousness, we're trying to believe that God is with us because we did something good. And I showed you how that was an error. So Jesus says, I'm going to leave you peace. Well, where did, what did it look like? Where was it? Did he leave it? He left his peace. You come to your house, oh, I left my purse at your house. You're looking for a purse. You know what a purse looks like, right? Jesus said, I left you peace. What does peace look like? You follow me? Everybody's like, oh, okay, you left peace. Huh? Yeah. Huh. Okay. What's he talking about? Left peace? He's left peace. Left us peace? Y'all follow me? See, sometimes we get through these, we get all these little cliches that we say in these little, little Christian verbiage. And we say, oh, you know, peace I leave with you. Well, what, 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 that doesn't do me any good. I, what does it feel like? What does it look like? It's like when I, you know, when I first got saved and everybody would say, just receive it, brother. I say, how do you receive? What are you talking about? Receive what? How? I mean, what do I do? How do I receive? What do you mean receive it? Receive what? Peace I leave with you. Where's the peace? We got so many Christians that are tormented today. They're living in torment. It's no good. It's no fun. Their life is, they're, they're chewing their fingers off. They're wringing their hands saying, oh, God, you better do something. Oh, God, do something. They need peace. Where is it? And that's what I want to show you, because peace is there. John 8, 31, 32. Familiar passive scripture. Jesus says, here's something about truth. He says, Jesus said to, uh, Jesus said to those Jews who believe, if you abide in my word, and my, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. All right? Now, Back to my piece of exercise equipment. You, you figured out that playing the video is not helping you. So then one day you decide to get on it. Okay? And so maybe you put it on the slowest speed. And you're just like, I mean, you're doing something. Bless God, you weren't doing anything. So, I mean, a lot of times I look at it like that. I'm at least doing something. It's better than nothing. And so here you're going. You're walking and doing the deal. And that guy's, yeah, and you're just kind of... Stroking along, all right? But you started the process. You started doing something. Jesus said, my disciples abide in my word. They started doing something. A disciple abides in the word, and when you're abiding the word, then you're going to know you're going to learn truth. And then when you learn truth, you get set free. It's a process, right? And you start walking slowly, but then all of a sudden you turn it up and you get a little bit faster and a little bit faster, a little bit faster and a little bit faster. And then before long, maybe one day you catch up with the guy on the video. Right? Jesus said, there's something you have to do. Now, 
I want to go to this story in the Gospel of John chapter 9. It's a great story of the blind man that was healed. And uh, I want to show you something about knowing truth. So let's just start in verse 1. Hold on. Now, as Jesus passed by, I saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? In other words, they're looking at a works righteousness. This guy's blind, so somebody has to have done something wrong. Not that he could have had a genetic problem, that he just happened to be blind. And Jesus answered, he said, well, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but the works of God should be revealed in him. He said, listen, it wasn't, doesn't have anything to do with he, he, what's going on here. What y'all are thinking, it just has to do with you're going to get to see some glory today. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day and the night is coming when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground. He made clay with the saliva. He anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Shalom, which is translated since. So he went and washed and he came back seeing. Now, like I told you, I have a vivid imagination. And always his stories kind of amaze me. And I've, I've used this story a lot. But can you imagine you're the blind guy? And this story to me is kind of gross. Because I don't know about y'all, but if I was going to make enough mud to rub on a man's eyes, I'm going to have to spit for a while. <laughs> Are y'all with me? This happened. How are you going to do it? Look at the practicality of this. So I'm thinking it like this. The blind man's listening because there's nothing wrong with his hearing. And he's talking to his friends. Say, What's he doing? Well, he's spitting on the ground. You hear Jesus. I mean, I don't know how much spit he had, but I mean, just come on. You got to realize this is what happened. Let's get real here. He made enough mud to put on this guy's eyes. I've heard preachers preach this before, and I don't know that it'd be true. They say that the man didn't have any eyeballs and that Jesus was making mud balls to put in the man's eyes to give him some eyeballs. And I don't know if that's true or not. It's pretty wild, but that's even going to take more spit. <laughs> so the blind man's standing there, and here's Jesus. <laughs> and so the guy said, what's he doing? He's, he seems to be spitting on the ground. You know, why? Why didn't Jesus just say, be healed, or go like any of the other people that he talked to and just spoke to him? But he didn't for this for some reason. So the next thing you know, the blind man's hearing, his friends are telling him, he's spitting on the ground, and the next thing you know, mud spits on your face. So he says, go wash. So the blind man, you know, whether he maybe knew right where the pool of water was or, or had to have somebody lead him down there, he goes down there. So let's say there's people around the pool. And they're like, you know, what happened to old George there? Ah, <laughs> oh, the prophet up there, he spit on the ground, spit, his, spit it on his face. Like, what? And so, of course, the guy wants to wash. <laughs> so, man, he puts his face in the water, and he's splashing around, getting this mud off his face. What's he thinking? You with me? There, to me, there's like every 
obstacle in this man being healed to just get grossed out, to say, what are you going to do? What now? Don't touch me with that. That's gross. Right? There's all kinds of opportunities for him to come down being mad. His friends are laughing. Yeah, you're going to get a good healing here, buddy. You know, that dude doesn't spit in the ground, but rub it in your face. You ought to look like the fool you look like here. You know, he's walking. He's got all these opportunities to be mad. He gets to the water. He puts it on his face and pops his eyes open and he can see. And then he's saying, yeah, who's the fool now? You know, who's the fool now? Who looks stupid now? Huh? He can see. So let's read on. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen him that he was blind, is, 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 isn't he? Isn't this a beggar, the one who sat and begged? And some said, it is he. And others says, I, you know, look kind of like him. And he said, it's me. Therefore, they said to him, how were your eyes open? He answered, I, man called Jesus made clay. See, he didn't tell them. And anointed his eyes, and he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he washed, and I went and washed, and I received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. So they brought him who was formerly was blind to the Pharisees. And that was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And the Pharisees who also asked him again, how was he had received his sight? He said, he put clay on my eyes and washed, and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man's not of God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can this man who's a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. He said, well, he's a prophet. And the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him and received his sight. They asked him saying, is this your son who says was born blind? How then does he see? His parents answered and said, we know that this is our son and that he was blind. They know this. But what means he sees now, we don't know. Or who opened his eyes, we don't know. He's of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. And his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had uh, agreed already that if anyone confessed that he is Christ, he'd be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, the parents said he's of age, ask him. All kinds of dynamics are going on in this story, right? and all the people and all their hearts. So again, they called the man who was blind, and he said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. So they have determined that Jesus is a sinner because he opened a blind man's eyes on a Sunday, on a Sabbath. He broke not God's law, but he broke man's law. The fact of the matter, the guy is seeing, they're completely missing. They are so blinded by their, their, right, their self-righteousness that they can't see and even be glad that the man who is blind can now see. So again, they call the man and they say, okay, he's a sinner, 25. And he answered and said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. Well, one thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. Are y'all with me? In other words... He didn't care what the Pharisees came up with. He had a truth on the inside of him. Look, I was blind. I could not see, and now I can. God opened my eyes. I don't know how. Figure it out. I don't care. I can see. Right? I believe that Christians have to come to a place in their life right now that they'll rise up and say, look, guys, I don't care what y'all think. God needs to be in school. I don't care what y'all think about in God we trust. We're going to say it. I don't care what you think about 
prayer, we're going to pray. I don't care what you think about, you know, keeping God out of this or that. Listen, this is what we believe, and this is who we are, and this is the one thing that I know, that we used to be blind, and now we can see. We know that Jesus is the answer because we used to live without the answer. If you want peace, I can tell you what it's like to not have peace, and I can tell you what it's like to have peace. One thing I know is I didn't have peace, and now I have peace. Are y'all with me? What's the guy going to do? Well, listen, I I don't know. I I guess I wasn't blind. I guess you guys are right. He must be a sinner. There's a sinner. See, I wish you'd have been a little more of a a smart aleck. And would have told him, say, yeah, well, I guess you're right, guys. Yeah, he must be a sinner. But y'all need to go find out because there is a sinner down there opening blind people's eyes. Right? And that's kind of what I think is going to happen in the world. I think people have to wake up and say, well, you know, maybe we did maybe this, we did make a mistake. Maybe this isn't right. Maybe this just doesn't make sense. Uh, maybe the way we're going is just not correct because uh, it doesn't fit. Okay. So we've got to get into our hearts. What is the answer? We've got to give a truth that I'm going to share with you right now that you've got to have in your life that's so powerful to you that you cannot be talked out of it, okay? So go to 1 John chapter 4. 4. 1 John 4. I want to start reading in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. Now, in this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Okay, point one here of the revelation you got to get. God showed you that he loved you by sending Jesus. That's it. If you can't believe that, if you can't accept that, you're never going to go on with the things of God. Because if you feel like you're not loved... Or you feel like no one loves you. Or if you feel like that God has forsaken you or the world's forsaken you or everybody's been mean to you. If you can't understand that God, the simple principle that God loved this world, that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. If you can't grab that truth, if you can't get that truth down into your heart, you cannot proceed on with the love of God, neither can you love really love people. The reason why is because you don't understand love. Now, this is a simple truth, but do not let it slip past you because worms want to work their way in through the holes and the cracks in your life. And if this is not something that is firm on the inside of you. I do not care how bad your life has been. God has always loved you. And the circumstances and the situations that happened to you in life had nothing to do with God's love for you. 
The worm wants to tell you you're not loved. That's why it happened. Or God doesn't take care of you. That's what the worm wants you to believe. He wants to say, who sinned, this man or the other, that this man was born blind? He wants to make the blind man think that God doesn't care about him because he's blind. If God really loved me, this situation wouldn't be happening. Oh, it's a worm. It's a lie from hell. It's a worm that wants to lodge in your head. You've got to understand the tricks of the enemy. The minute you start to say that, I remember one time I got in trouble. It was only once that I ever got in trouble. And the one time I got in trouble, I remember going outside. I was, I was young, had this dog, and went out there and got hold of the dog. dog's name was Caesar and was petting Caesar, and he was licking me in the face, and I was crying, and I said, nobody loves me but you. I remember saying it as a little kid. Nobody loves me but you, and the dog was licking on me. The moment you start to take those thoughts, a worm is trying to bore its way into your life because he knows if he can get you to ever believe and grab the truth and hold on to the truth that God doesn't love you, then he's got you at a great disadvantage and he knows that you will never move forward in life. And what the world wants to say is, you know, it amazes me. The stupidity. We take God out of public schools. We take the Ten Commandments down. We teach liberal theology. We teach liberal, liberal junk, garbage everywhere. Everybody's supposed to do whatever they want to, you know, this, that, and the other. And then they have a school shooting, and everybody wants to know where God is. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, y'all expelled him years ago. Y'all didn't want God in here. And now there's a problem. Y'all all turn and say, where's God when this tribe is gone? I thought you didn't believe in him. Now just think of the fallacy of that. If you did believe in him and you kicked him out, whoo, man, you stupid. Are y'all with me? But that's the way we do. The worm gets in their heads. How many times, listen, how many times you've been in a restaurant and you were going to pray over your meal? Because you usually pray over the meal. But in this certain restaurant you were sitting in there, maybe you felt uncomfortable and you didn't pray. There was intimidation from around you that intimidated you to compromise what you believed. Well, you keep giving up in that compromise. Eventually, what will happen is then you're like a door that's wide open to compromise. And the devil will just keep throwing worms in you. And you just keep getting more and more and more holes in your head. Right? Okay. So he says here, if you can't understand the love of God and you can't understand, it's real simple. Did Jesus... Did God send Jesus to this earth to die for us? He gave up his only son. That shows his love. That's the point of that, those verses. Let's read on. He says, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. Now he's saying, look, wait a minute. Let's look at this, look, look at it this way. If you know that God sent his son to die on the cross for you, then when you believe in Jesus, the spirit of God's going to come and live on the inside of you. And when the spirit of God comes to live on the inside of you, love is on the inside of you. God is love. Are y'all with me? Amen. Second point. 
Once you believe in Jesus, the Spirit of God comes and lives in you, and your confidence is, I know that I know that I'm saved. I know that I know that I'm right with God. So then I know that I know that love is in me. You can't, none of us can say, well, you know, I was raised rough and, you know, we might have love, but it's tough love. I'm not talking about human love. I'm not talking about naturalists. I'm not talking about your love for chocolate. I'm talking about agape love, the love of God that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, that love that's on the inside of you. Because we live in a world that's a fallen, corrupt world. And in this fallen, corrupt world we live in, you're going to be confronted with unlovely people. Now, one time, Brother Ivan, he made me mad because he preached a message, said that you, you're only, how did he say it? You only, uh, you know how much love is in you by your ability to love the most unlovely person. And it kind of like slapped me in the face. It's kind of like, yeah, that person said that kind of made me mad. But the truth of the matter is, these points sometimes say, you know God loves you because he sent Jesus. You believe in Jesus, therefore the Spirit of God is on the inside of you. Therefore, you know the love's in you. Simple. It's simple. It's there. It's in you. The love of God. Everybody say, the love of God's in me. Look at the person beside you and say, really, it's in there. Now, imagine... Imagine having the resources at your disposal, but never using them. You would say to that person, you're not being very smart. It's like trying to build a house and, and you're using a handsaw. Why you have a skill saw in your shop? Somebody said, why are you using the handsaw? Ah, it's the first thing I picked up. Hello? It's there in you. The love of God is in you. Each and every one of us, the love of God is in us. The capacity, this great, amazing capacity of love that conquers all things. It's in you. Okay, let me read on. Look at verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. What? What? You see, when I read the book of Revelation, I get excited. I don't get scared. I get excited. Because if my brother's coming back, my daddy's about to show his face on the earth, and the heavens roll back like a scroll, and some men run crying into the, into the dens and the dells saying, don't look at us, get away from us, God. I'm going to be sitting there saying, hello, Papa. I'm not, I'm not fearful for the day of judgment because I know the wrath of God's not going to be poured out on me. How do I know that? Because I'm a preacher? No. Because I know Jesus is my Savior. I know my sins are forgiven. And between God and I, there's no issue. So I'm ready to go to heaven at any moment, any time. Doesn't make me any difference. I know that I'm right and ready to meet God. Now, I might not accomplish everything I should have on this earth and all those kind of things if my life gets cut short because of something stupid I did. But I know I'm going to heaven. And I know everything's okay with me and my father. I know I'm not going to get chastised. No, I'm not going to get dangled over the fire a little bit. Right? I know I'm going to heaven. Why? Not because I'm good, not because I did everything works. I don't live under works. 
I live under righteousness by the blood of Jesus. And I know the love of God is in me because God loved me because he sent his son down to me. And I know that his spirit lives in me. So therefore, love is in me. So God is in me. These are truths you have to have inside of you. If not, let me read the next verse. There is no fear in love, but perfect love, it casts out fear because fear involves torment. You know what the word for torment is there, the Greek word, what it means for torment? It means the fear of punishment. How many of y'all, this is the best example I can think of. I know all y'all are saints, and you only ever drive the speed limit, okay? And so as you're driving down the road, if you know you're driving the speed limit and a, a police officer passes you, there's no fear. Unless you're worried about the registration or the light may be out or something of this nature. I mean, that's something different. He's talking about speeding. Like the other day, I was driving. I was behind a car. I was driving under the speed limit, and I saw black and white, flipped his lights on and turned around, and I was like, what? He better not be after me. I didn't do nothing. And it wasn't. He wasn't. But there was a little bit of inside of me, right? Why? Because there's fear of punishment. Torment means fear of punishment. Now, listen to this. This is where it gets good. When the enemy is trying to put fear in you, he's trying to get you moved out of fear to the next step past fear, which is called torment. And that word torment means you're just being afraid of punishment. I guess maybe I did do something wrong and God's not going to take care of me on this one. I guess that, you know, I don't know what's going to happen because we're we're out of we're out of we're, I, I, I shouldn't have done that. And because I did, I'm out of grace with God. Maybe I'm out of grace with God. And we get into this place, and then you get into torment. Do you realize that if you truly walk in the love of God and know that God loves you, and you know that because you've got the Spirit on the inside of you, you know God loves you, then when he says, fear not, don't be dismayed, for I hold you up with my strong right hand, then you can look at the problems and circumstances and say, ha, I'll be darned. Yeah, I can walk through that. See, if I was God, and I'm not, and y'all should be glad, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have gone something like this. We wouldn't have bowed. They'd have stoked the fire seven times hotter. I would have stood up and said, fire, go out. And it would have gone. And I said, see, don't mess with God, or he'll smoke you. That's the way I'd have done it. I think it would have been a whole lot more dramatic. I think it would have been a big deal there, but that's not God. It's not the way he does things. He says, no, no, no. I want to show them how big a God I am. Throw them into the fire and it won't burn them. Well, I'm like, I don't want to mess with that. Let's just make the fire go out. Because folks, if you just had seven of his stoutest men die trying to get up by the fire and you're about to be thrown in, I mean, your natural senses pretty much are going to tell you you're not going to make it, right? And so your natural mind's going to be spinning, oh, God, do something, oh, God, do something, oh, God, do something, <gasps> you're in the fire. And I just wonder, you know, I mean, 
Sometimes we read these things with religious eyes. You know, and we just think they just walk into the fire. Or they may have got thrown in there, fell on the ground. Ah! Wait, it's not burning. I mean, come on, you're going to get thrown in the fire that got you by the back of the britches and the scuff of the neck, and you're about to get thrown in there? I mean, there, I don't see any graceful way that that happened. I think they hit the dirt, ash, went up, and they was, ah! wait a minute, I'm not burning. That's what I see. And that's what we are as Christians. We're, we're, but we're in that gap between the fire burning and us standing here, and we get, all of a sudden, the worms start moving in our head, and we're thinking, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I should have loved someone, so I shouldn't have done that. I should have done that because we're living by works. And so there's not love just perfecting in us and driving out the fear of punishment. The love hasn't been going through our system and healing us and, 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 and bathing us in God's love. It hasn't been driving out all the worms and killing all the worms because we're still operating in that fear arena thinking, oh, I hope I didn't do anything wrong about the time we get thrown in. Because fear leads to torment. Torment means the fear of punishment. If I'm right with God, that doesn't mean I can't do something wrong. But that means I have the ability to repent and have my sins forgiven. But on the, on the, on the whole scope of things, I know all of God is looking towards me with the eyes of love. And what happens to us, folks, so many times is we let our surroundings dictate how we think love is going to be dispensed. We think because of where our parents raised us or whoever, how, how anybody showed us love, how love is going to be dispensed. And we think God's going to be like that. And we just don't understand. It's just too great to believe that God is, loves us and his love is always pouring out to us. His love is always being directed to us. His love is always just shooting out towards us. You say, well, how do you know that, Pastor? Because God sent his son Jesus to die for us and because his spirit's on the inside of me. Well, how do you know his spirit's on the inside of you? Because I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm right with him. Down on the inside of my knower, I know everything's cool. Are y'all following me here? When you, when you meditate and dwell upon those thoughts, then the love of God gets released in your life and says, look, don't fear. Instead of looking at the fire saying, oh God, I, I was serving you and I, I was praying three times a day and now there's the fire and I don't want to go into the fire. Why is this happening to me? Circumstances, situations, we live in a fallen world, genetics. It's all there. Man, I don't know about y'all, but have y'all noticed like there, I, 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 this sounds terrible to say this, but um, I've just noticed in life that there's like some people, you can't kill them. I mean, you, you listen to their testimonies in life. They have 14 car wrecks and drank poison once and somebody shot them and this and that and the other, and they're just still kicking and going and going right on. Another person gets in a hangnail and gets infected and they die. I've been around animals too much in life to see. There's something in the kingdom, the animal kingdom going on about, you know, being healthy. But my point is, I don't know. 
I can't explain all those things. But what I'm setting you free of this morning is, man, if you understand the love of God and get the love of God on the inside and you know that God who loves you is behind you, then whatever's facing you seems to diminish. And there's no torment and you can have peace because there's no fear of punishment. And you're just free. You're free to just walk and you're free to just go in life and you're free with no worms screaming and crying out to you, nothing going on. You're free. You're free to just walk in love. You're free to love other people because you realize how loved you are. I have the, I, I can love other people because I can look at them and say, well, you know, this guy dropped on their head when they were a kid. You know, God loves them. But, you know, I don't know why they're grumpy. I went into a place the other day and I was I was having to wait to go up to the to the counter and I was listening to everybody talking to these two poor girls who were having to to do this and uh, everybody was mad. Everybody was mad. And they were all grabbing complaining, why is this and why is that? And 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 I thought to myself, man, these poor girls had to sit here and listen to that all day long. That's terrible. So, you know, I, I put on my happy face. So I went up there and I said, hey, how are you today? No response. And I thought, oh, it's already gone deep. I mean, it's deep. And so I said, I said, I just want to tell you before we get going, I'm really sorry you have to put up with all this. And she just looked at me. And I said, you know, I just noticed everybody coming here was just grabbing and complaining. It's not really your fault. You're just entering the information. You just have to go through this. It's not really your fault. And I saw it break right off of her. And she said, well, thank you for that. And all of a sudden, it was all smiles and, you know, made life better. Somebody just needed to know that somebody was taking note of what was going on in their life. And the only reason why they were like that was because they were catching all the flack from everybody else. Sometimes people are grumpy because there's really, they're really going through things too. But you can love people because you realize you're loved. Man, I'm loved. It sets me free to know, look, all of me, how I am right now, God loves me. And to just sit around and think about that, meditate and say, man, God loves me. Get to heaven. I'm special. They say, oh, Robert, you're just getting... He loves me. Think Daddy doesn't have time to put me up on his lap? I'm special. So are you. You're loved. How God has this ability to be personally your father, my father, and everybody in the world's father who wants him is amazing. But he does it, and he loves me. I'm as loved as Abraham. I'm as loved as Isaiah. Here's one that'll freak you out. I'm as loved as Jesus. What? Well, you know. No, that's what it is. When you have that love going on the inside of you and understanding that God loves you and it's working on the inside of you, well, then everything else just gets very, very, very small. That perfect love begins to drive out fear. That perfect love begins to bring peace into your mind. Now, I love the verse 20. He says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar, for he does not know the love. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who he's not seen? In other words, he's saying, look, if you're saying you love God, but you're, you're not showing forth anything, no fruit of that, then the truth of the matter is you don't really know God. Because if you really knew God, 
that love is going to affect your life and you're going to deal with people differently. Right? Okay. This is what you got to do. This is the application. You have got to take your worries and your concerns, your fears, and set them out on the table. You got to set them out on the table and say, Lord, these are things that I've been concerned about. I'm sorry. I just believe that your love is greater than my fear. I believe your love is greater than my fear. And then watch what God begins to do in those situations. Watch how he just begins to just flow in those situations. He begins to just work and move and just begins to just, just start to take things apart. And, and, and you know, the, the devil is great about building, you know, false walls and false mountains and false things in front of you that make you, it seems like, you know, like he's so great. And watch how God begins to dismantle it. Just watch how he just dismantles it in front of you and brings you to that place that you can be in peace. Because I think every one of you in here, you want to walk in peace. Because if you like torment, man, we've got to start all over. Torment's no good. So if you're worried about your future, Worried about whatever, whatever. You got to take that thing. You got to set it out. You got to bring it. You got to expose it. And say, well, this is a place that I've got fear. I fear like, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna be taken care of in our old age. I feel I have a fear that, you know, sickness. I have a fear of this. I have a fear of that. Well, folks, you got to lay it down and let the love of God overcome that, so that you can sit back and relax and live in peace. And when you're in peace, you know what? You've got eyes that can see what's going on. You, you begin to be able to handle things better. You begin to know what to do. You begin to know how to move because you're not all freaked out. You're, you're, you're seeing things going on. So, okay, well, praise God. Amen? Amen. Put your Bibles up. Stand up if you would. Now, let's just take a moment here before we close. To take your fears and your worries and your concerns and just kind of make them present before the Lord. And then I want to pray for you. For all of you out there listening and watching, listen. Get hold of this right now. There's no need to live in fear. It only is going to bring torment. Get right with God. Believe in Jesus. Believe God sent him. Believe in him and let the Spirit of God come on the inside of you. And then there'll be no more fear of punishment. So take your fears and your concerns and let's pray. Father, right now, over every person here, you see every heart in this building. You see everybody out there listening and watching today. You know what's going on in their hearts. You know the, the concerns and the fears that they've had. And so, Father, I pray right now that there's a, there is a revolutionary thought coming into their minds today. It's God how much you love us. That you love us so much you sent Jesus for us. And then you filled us with your spirit. And so therefore, Lord, we know that we're loved. Let that revelation of how much you love us destroy the worms in their life. 
Let the revelation of how much you love us, Lord God, begin to heal and be like a like 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 healing oil running all over every situation in life. Every fear, every worry, every sickness, every concern, everything in life that there is that would bring a person to that place of torment. Let that healing oil, that anointing oil just flow into every one of those cracks and crevices and bring about healing. Those that are worried about their children, worried about their future. Lord, right now, I would just declare that your love abounds and flows over all those situations in life. We're worried about the future, Lord God, in our finances and worried about the future and in what's going to take place. Lord, right now, there would just be a healing balm of Gilead go over every one of those. Oh, Lord, I just declare your love cast out all fears. Perfect love cast out fear. Perfect love, it cast out fear. And I declare those of us that have been, oh, fear of being rejected. The fear of failure. Lord, right now, it's all just seems as nothing to the great love you have for us. So I declare peace over this congregation. As you said, Jesus, peace I leave with you. And that's the peace. God, you love us. That's the peace you left us, Jesus. You arose from the grave to show us you are the Son of God, that we could be right with you. So today, Lord, we see it. We see the peace you left us. It's called the love of God. Let it just go over our minds and rest on us like a, like a cloak, like a robe, Lord, of your love. So, Lord, I ask you right now for that release of peace in this congregation, over this church, through this valley, all over this world, as people grab hold of the love of God. Lord, I just declare right now that as we leave this building, as we go out into the world, I declare, O oh Lord God, that we are blessed. And we're going to tell this world the good news about Jesus. We're going to tell this world all the great things that you have done for us. And Lord, I thank you for it. I praise you for it. And just declare that we're going to see people this week, divine appointments this week, Lord, to tell them about how great you are. So Lord, I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Hey, church, God bless you. If you're on the prayer team today, come on down to the altar. If you're here today and want any extra prayer, we're here for you. God bless you. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.